Hello, everybody listening along to this. This is uh, Mark Buving, Pastor Mark. I'm here with Nathan Cesaretti. Hey, everybody. Pastor Nathan. And uh, we're getting ready to launch our gospel communities for what I believe, I didn't think about this before I started, I believe this is going to be our fourth year with gospel communities. And uh, in that time, um, believe it or not, we've actually learned a few things. And so as Nathan has come in, he's coming in from... A little bit of an outsider's perspective. So this is going to be his first experience with Creekside Gospel Communities. He's done a lot of work of talking to gospel community leaders over the summer. And uh, as we've been talking about it, um, I'm excited. I'm excited about where we're headed. I'm excited about what God's going to do. Um, I honestly have never been more excited about the concept of gospel community and how God could use that in our church family and in our region Um, But I think in order to do that, what I want us to do is to take some time um, in this this podcast. So this podcast, the idea of is we're just training you as our gospel community leaders or as anybody else that's interested in kind of going deeper into what our gospel communities are all about um, to kind of train you in what is this all about? What's the purpose? Um, So often we get frustrated with a, um, a program or a ministry or a vehicle like this we get frustrated when we want it to be something that it's not designed to be. And, um, and I've, I feel like I've seen a little bit of that um, with myself and, and with uh, different leaders over the last uh, three years that we've done this. Um, and so what we want to do is clarify, okay, what's the heart of it? Why do we do gospel community? What are we trying to accomplish with this? Um, and and why, why this? Why not just like a traditional small group ministry? So I'm excited to have this conversation with Nathan, and, um, and we really want this to be a way to kind of engage all of you in the conversation, in thinking these thoughts, and invite you then into a dialogue with Nathan and myself, with the elders, with the other gospel community leaders, with our church family. Um, so Nathan, I'm going to start by asking you to kind of explain, we, as we've been talking, you've been talking about the idea of like who our, what our identity is, who we are, um, really does then flow into how we do gospel community. So could yes. you start us there? Yeah, I've really just dove into this book called Kingdom Values by John Tyson. John Tyson is a pastor in New York and also an amazing author. And in this book, it describes how the gospel plays into our identity and through our identity in the gospel, it plays out in our mission to reach our communities. And so when we truly understand our identity, we then understand our mission and then we understand how to reach our community, but we don't do it alone. We do it as a church family together, trying to reach uh, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, the places we go for fun, our gyms and other things like that. Yeah, that's so cool. I I think just even just saying that, I think... Um, for so much of my church life, I've thought of, um, okay, the, what we do in the church is kind of for us, like it's our spiritual growth and our maturity. And I obviously still think that that's important. Um, but then, but then what we always do is we kind of talk to each other and we're also have this vague responsibility to like evangelize, you know, Mm. and to like reach people outside of the church. But, um, aside from things like, uh, I don't know, street evangelism, door to door evangelism, um, which I've had some experience with in college and uh, I, you know, mixed, mixed thoughts and there's people that are really gifted at that. But I feel like aside from that, it's like, it's so vague and we don't know Mm -hmm. what it looks like to just on our own. So what I do love and what it's always been at the heart of gospel community is the idea that there is a mission outside of the church, but that 
we want to do more than just uh, push each other to on our own time, in our own ways to figure that out and go out and do it. Um, we want to say, hey, this is something we could do, yeah. should do, are kind of created actually to do together. Um, and I, I love that. So as, I, as I'm sitting, I can see the 65 freeway here from um, the conference room in the church where we're talking about this. And I think of how everybody drives past on that 65 freeway. They can see the Creekside Church sign on our building. And a lot of people, probably a lot of you have shown up at the church over the years because you're like, oh, Creekside Church, I wonder what that's about. And when God was ready to nudge you, you knew the church was there. Um, I love the thought of our gospel communities being a better sign than our mm. sign that overlooks the freeway. Because it's a, it's a place where uh, we do join together and we're visible. We're in the community. We're out in our neighborhoods. We're in our backyards. We're in our front yards. We're at our parks. Um, we're in each other's houses. And that becomes, that community, that, that thing that we do together becomes then of a sign of not just Creekside Church, but like of the church, of what God's doing in the world. And so, so much, I, I just love that. So much of our identity in being a people together, not just a bunch of individuals. That's um, good. I love how that's played out in the structure that we're trying to do. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think in our culture today, we really see this idea of identity being self-driven. Whereas throughout scripture, we see that there's a sense of community, a sense of a nation from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way through. Jesus had his disciples and they changed the world because they were a group united in identity. And our identity in God makes us feel known. It makes us feel loved. It makes us feel like we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And to come to a church and feel that and then go out into our neighborhoods and have dinner together yeah. and just be that for our neighbors who come from different backgrounds. Maybe we have uh, Muslim neighbors, atheist neighbors, but they come over and they just see, wow, Christians having dinner together and everybody's loving one another and everyone feels known and valued and we're being yeah. authentic with one another. And I feel like that's really the direction we need to go with these gospel communities because that's our identity. That's yeah. where God calls us to live and be. I love that so much. So this makes me, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking of Luke 14. Um, and it's the, these, uh, this parable, this is setting Jesus is like eating with the tax collectors and sinners. And or, uh, let's see, Luke 14 is where he gets invited, I think, to the Pharisees table. Um, I've got a digital Bible on my phone and I don't have my actual Bible right in front of me. It's Luke 14. I'll fact check it later. Um, but he's having the banquet and it's the whole thing he's talking about, um, you know, don't, don't sit in the highest place, you know, at the table, um, go sit at the, the end and let the host bring you up. And when you, when you gather, when you eat, um, don't invite the rich and the powerful, um, you know, invite the people who can't repay you. And, um, and then there's that whole parable where he's talking about, um, he invites people to come into the banquet and, um, and nobody wants to come. And so he's like, just go, like compel them to come and go in, like wherever you can to find them. And anyways, what I love about it um, is it's like the picture of like what God's trying to do is around a table. Like that, that's, the, that's the parable and that's the setting of this, the parable that Jesus told it. He's sitting around a table as he tells it, but it is so like, it's so symbolic and metaphorical, but I also feel like it's way more literal than we often allow it mm -hmm. to be, which is, okay, what we do in our neighborhoods and you're saying like our, our Muslim or our atheist neighbors seeing us eat together. What I love is it's not just letting them see us eat together. It also becomes something they can do with us. Mm. They can actually participate in it. And I think the point of these parables is 
the kingdom of God is meant to be participated in by people that we wouldn't naturally be inclined to invite to our tables. And so when they come, it is not just let them see what we do and be like, I wonder about that. I'm going to ask later. It's actually come participate, come join in. Because when you, man, when you're around a table, um, eating, sharing life, sharing the joys and the hardships and praying for each other and laughing together, Mm That the kingdom of God is there. I mean, that's, that's what really the kingdom good. is all about. And um, and so I so I love that. I love the idea of um, there's work God wants to do within our church family. Of course, like 100. percent I mean, that's literally what my job is. Is like <laughs> making sure that we're all caring for each other, right? Yeah. Um, but also looking outside and saying, hey, let's do that. Let's care for each other in such a way that we can invite people to participate in a way that's not like um, sign up. Make sure you believe everything right, and then you can join our thing. Mm-hmm. But just, hey, come participate in this. This is worthwhile. This is good. We find joy in life in this thing that we're doing together, sharing a meal, um, caring for each other, laughing, um, crying together, and uh, letting people taste that and experience yeah. it. And um, I just I feel like it's so much of caring. So often, I think, in our churches, the best part of our churches, nobody outside ever gets to see because we do it uh, in closed rooms and... Uh, in church buildings, and mm. um, and I just I love the idea of it, we're just simply carrying it into neighborhoods and making sure that it's a place where people know they're welcome. They can be there. It doesn't feel weird. I hope it feels compelling. You know, to see like That's good. This is this is like a family. You know, what in a world where all of our family relationships have been strained this last year um, more than ever, um, to be joined to, jo- to to invited to join a table and a family that feels like, oh, these people actually love and care for each other. Um, and they really actually good. want me to be here and be part of it. Um, I think it's beautiful. That's really good. You're reminding me of something I learned uh, while in a program called Forge. It was that so often our communities and our church often believe that to belong or feel connected to a Christian community, they have to behave. Hmm. And by behaving well, then they belong. And then once they feel like they belong, they realize, oh, I need to believe. Mm. Whereas Jesus is like, no, that's not what you are meant to do. You're meant to believe. And then through believing, you automatically belong. Before your behavior ever changes, before your behavior does anything at all, when you believe, you belong. And I feel like that's where these gospel communities really take us and where we are meant to go with them is into our communities to make people feel like they belong far before anything else. Because from that feeling of belonging, I believe that the people will come to know who Jesus is through how we interact with one another. So I, this is so, this is so good. I love you, Nathan. I'm glad that you're here (laughs) and that we can talk about this. I've got a pretty big man crush. Um, (laughs) I, so I love the thought that, um, you know, believe, once you believe, you belong. And I'm thinking through, okay, what does it, what then does it mean to believe? Like, what is that like entryway? And I obviously, ultimately, I think it means believing that Jesus is who he says he is, right? Mm-hmm. Believing that he is God come to earth to sacrifice himself, to save us, to free us from our sins, to unite us with himself. Um, but I, I, I wonder if even, even at the beginning, some of the believing is like, I believe that this Christian person cares about me. Yeah. I believe that when they invite me, to sit at their table and join their group that I'm not a project, but that they actually want to enjoy being with me. Um, and then, and then from there, I believe that the love that they share for each other is actually real. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you've preached on that this summer in some really cool ways. You've had these love commands from John yes. 13 to 17 that are really cool. 
And, um, and so some of those things that we believe, it doesn't have to be the full gamut of Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, because if we go there, you know, which two of us ever agree on everything in that yep. full gamut of Christian domic, that's uh, true. D- a doctrine. So the believing is less of assent to every single point of it, but more like, okay, believe that there's something real here. And then what I think our challenge then is to, in our love for each other, in our love for the people outside, help them to see more and more of who Jesus is. That's good. And help them to um, to believe these things about Jesus because because we do, and because not just because we insist upon it, but because we demonstrate with our lives that it makes an impact and that yeah. it's real to us and that it matters and gives us life and all those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, I even think of like I don't know how your experience was coming to Jesus, but for me, like learning that I belonged even before I believed actually mm-hmm. was super vital to me because it was like, wow, this is different. Yeah. There's something different about this community who's willing to tell me I belong, even though, man, I don't believe. Yeah. And so f- that feeling of belief comes with belonging. I also think it could be flipped hmm. after I'm hearing you say this, because I think of Jesus. I mean, everybody accused him of sitting with sinners, right. eating meals with sinners, uh, having conversations with Samaritan women who he never should talk to, but he did. Yeah. Jesus wanted people to feel like they belonged even before he told them who he was. That's so cool. I love that. So I, with that idea, I think it does, maybe there's just two different entry points, right? Because I think my experience coming to Jesus was, um, I, I you know, grew up in this perfect Christian family and I belonged in the church. Like there's never been a moment in my life where I've felt like I don't belong as part of the family of God. Um, but a lot of people now, um, I think are, whether they've had church experience in the past or not, feel like I do not belong there, right? Because they don't want me or because I don't want what they're doing. And so I, um, I feel like the challenge is both entry points are great. So we, when we start with our Creeksiders and we're inviting them in to join our gospel communities with us, we're saying, hey, we believe together. Let's. Mm-hmm. This is a place where we can belong. We can be family. And I think when we look at some of our neighbors and coworkers and friends, there's going to be that hesitance about like, oh, the church is not somewhere I belong. And I think it's yeah. it's a cool gospel communities is a great opportunity for us to show them that. Okay, you probably won't ever do a Google search to find out like, do I belong at church? You know, um, uh, but but like to lead with, well, the church is not about the building. It's not about the service. Um, when we do these things in our neighborhoods and we invite people in um, not to do um, some doctrine-specific Bible study, um, though that can be an entry point for some people, but just to be part of a family and belong. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is another cool entry point that brings people in where I start. I started before I believed anything about anything. I belonged in the church. Um, That's good. And so anyway, I, I'm excited about the idea of, you know, same back to the road sign, like, the sign is there on our physical building to tell people Creekside Church is here. And I feel like the, the, you know, the, the biblical analogy in like Ephesians 2 is that we're the building built together. Mm-hmm. We're the people are this building. And that, that's the analogy that's used. And so what's the sign on the front of that? I think it's maybe it's our love for each other. Maybe it's our love for the people that we're interacting with that says, hey, there's a place here. There's a church here, you know, and we get an opportunity to kind of redefine for a couple of generations that are hearing and seeing all these really ugly things about church yep. to help them redefine, oh, oh, yeah, no church, but not like that, not like you've experienced, or not like you've heard about, or not like you've been that's afraid good. of. Um, uh, that's really good. That reminds me of when I spoke on John 13, the end of it. It literally says, people will know whose you are by how you love one another. 
if we want to show our communities that we are followers of Jesus, that we are students of Jesus, that we truly believe that the God of the universe saved us, it's going to be through how we love one another. Like that, I'm struck by that. I mean, that's like a literal reading of scripture, you know? So I think on some level that is diving into the doctrine and insisting on like, no, the truth matters. This is where we start because it, Jesus literally said that they, they, mm-hmm. you, they'll, they'll know that you're my believer by followers, by the way that you love one another. Right? Like that's, that is what a disciple is according to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so when we say that and we, it takes more than us just saying we are about love. It takes us demonstrating that. And I, and again, gospel community is a way for us to demonstrate that to each other yep. in a way that's visible to people that could use some love themselves. And, well, if we even think of the truth of Jesus, I mean, most of the time, the way he expressed love to people was sitting down for a meal at yeah. a table. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, I can't remember which uh, commentator I was reading, but uh, it basically said, Jesus ate his way through the Gospels. You know, you can, you can go through and you <laughs> can just flip it. through the section headings. And so often Jesus is eating or drinking or what, you know, in... in, in or at a party. At I a, mean... <laughs> yeah. At a party, or he's creating a party out of nothing by, yes. you know, blows and fishes, or he's turning the, the wa- water into wine, um, or he's at a dinner party at a sinner's house, or he's at a dinner party at the Pharisee's house. I just, he, and he's constantly eating, celebrating, um, and using that as an opportunity to invite people into something so deep. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's good. I've never been more excited for gospel communities. Aren't you guys excited? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so in light of all this... Um, there, there is a, a little bit of refining of the vision of what a mis- uh, gospel community is. So what's the like mission? What's the vision of that? And so, um, so I'm, I've been swimming in this, uh, in this lake for like a few years now. So I'm going to ask you, Nathan, like you've, you've kind of come in, you've been here for a few months now. Um, what, what are you seeing as like the, the mission, the vision of what gospel communities are supposed to be? Yeah, so... I believe that the new mission for our gospel communities is to be different kind of churches throughout our different communities. So let's say, Mark, you have a bunch of people from our church living on your street or in your neighborhood. You guys come together for a meal twice a month and invite your neighbors to it. Uh, maybe it doesn't start out with you inviting your neighbors because I believe things start small and they grow bigger. Mm. And so start small with just being vulnerable with one another, having dinner, talking about family, talking yeah. about life and living together. And then through that, you begin to invite other people into it. You Love begin that. to see it as this safe place where you can be vulnerable. And it's a Jesus community. Like that's what this means. A gospel community is where Jesus is a center. Jesus's love is a center where we could just live together and come together twice a month to be a family around a table. That is so good. I, so we, Nathan and I've been talking about this and those of you that have been around for a minute know that we've, we've used to give you a little bit of history. uh, A few years back, Pastor Ryan and myself were really wrestling with what's the best way to shift from a traditional small group. We'd meet, we'd talk about the sermon. It was just believers and uh, it was great. There was a lot of fruit from it, but how do we get that to become a more missional reality? And so we did our best. Um, I think we did pretty good, but one of the things that we inserted was a a bunch of new terminology and in, in bringing Nathan in and having these discussions, we're realizing why don't we simplify some of our terminology um, so that we're not confusing people in order to explain 
Um, and so part of what, I, what I'm leaning into, so we've used terms like public space, social space, sacred space. Um, I want to stop using that. Not, not like you guys can't use it to describe things, but I just, I, wanna, I don't want it that to be how we're kind of pitching the whole thing to our church family or what we're using to invite people into it. Um, all of those concepts are super helpful still. Um, but I think what we're trying to just say is, hey, let's leave that aside and let's, let's ask the question, what is a gospel community? And the way you described it, I love it. It is a community that is shaped by the gospel. It's a community that's focused around Jesus. And so I think the, the emphasis on what is the heart and what has always been the heart of the gospel community is saying it's a, it's a community. It's about us living together. And in doing that, we're being shaped by the gospel. So, um, so some of you, uh, most of our groups have had a combination of we're sending each other out into, into public spaces. We are gathering twice a month for social spaces where there's like a meal and then we're inviting people in, and then we're digging deeper into the Bible through, um, through. Uh, see, I've already successfully sacred forgotten space. the sacred spaces. I'm doing away with this terminology. I've already forgotten the sacred spaces. So, um, but what what, I, what we want to say now is um, instead of using that terminology, a gospel community now is um, that rhythm of us living together in community. And so, think of it primarily as a meal based gathering that we do at least twice a month where we have regular time and the goal is we're a community shaped by the gospel. So mm-hmm. can you um, study the Bible? Can you read? Can you pray together? Can you do all that stuff? You guys can do whatever you need to do to further the mission of being a people that lives together with the gospel. Um, but we want, but in stripping away the kind of three spaces, what we're saying is we're going to have a bunch of discipleship opportunities at Creekside to kind of free up gospel communities to be gospel communities. So... Um, nurture is going to be this discipleship group type of space where the women of Creekside are gathering to hear the word of God, to preach it to each other, to discuss it in small groups. Men's groups are going to be these discipleship groups where men can dig deeper in. We've had different versions of them over the years. And this fall, we're hitting that strong once again with opportunities to be discipled by guys. Um, if your if your group wants to have a sermon based discussion group where you do meet, some of you have d- been doing that for decades, and it's been beautiful for you. Um, so by all means, do that. Um, but what we're saying is, a gospel community is the community. It's that aspect of we are sharing life together. We're inviting people in, and so your gospel community can together do a sermon based discipleship group, sermon sermon based. Um, but that ne- won't necessarily be like what makes your group a gospel community. A gospel community can engage in, can and should engage in discipleship activities. But the primary thing is that community feel. Um, and so we're just trying to simplify what it is and allow the discipleship groups to be strong and and to focus on discipleship as they should. And also let the missional communities, the gospel communities, focus on that mission that they have. Clear as mud, Nathan. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's great. I think we shouldn't just halt everything we're doing. Like if you're in a group and you're reading through the gospels right now and studying that, we don't want you to just stop it and then be like, all right, now do this instead. We want this to be something that is organic Mm -hmm. and unique to the communities around or even the different age ranges we have. We have a new wave of young families coming and this younger generation that needs a group to just come to and be around one another. And I think this is where that happens. It's in these things that families come together and 
People with kids can sit and their kids can run around a park and they can just sit and relax together and talk family. That's really good. I think, I think for me, it, bringing in the different age stages helps me kind of think to clarify. So what we've, what we've had is we've had, a, we've had a range of different types of groups. So some of our groups with people that are kind of empty nesters or retired, um, they have time and they have space to simply sit down and have as long of a discussion as they want, um, depending on how much food they brought with them, right? Um, we have other groups where there's little kids running around and it's like terrorizing everything and they're having good conversations, but it's not a whole group, we all share one at a time kind of a thing. And so each group in these different ranges has um, kind of figured it out on their own. Mm-hmm. So some have been doing, um, you know, social social gatherings. Um, I'll just start trying to change my terminology as I talk. Some social gatherings. Um, and then outside of that, they'll split off the men and the women different nights of the week to have that deeper discipleship discussion. That's good. And so what, but what that's done is I think it's created a little bit of confusion around what makes a gospel community a gospel community and are we allowed to do this? Are we, should we be doing that? And it's been really tricky. So the idea is we simplify and just say, hey, this is it. You, whatever it looks like for your age stage and for you and your friends and your neighbors to gather together in a way that you look forward to where you can care for each other, that's what the gospel community looks like. Now, I do want to say this. So I think the fear then is if we're saying um, that it is about these meal-based gatherings, does that mean that we're devaluing discipleship in the process? And for me, I just want to say a strong no to that. Um, when I'm gathering with the people in my gospel community, I am like very much a pastor when I'm in that like party space. And sure, my job is literally being a pastor, but all of you as gospel community leaders are pastors in these spaces, like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And um, and so what that means is you're you're interacting. You're talking, but you're doing more than just talking about the NBA Finals or, you know, whatever baseball. The Olympics. The Olympics, yeah, other sports that you've heard of. Uh, you're doing more than talking about these lighthearted things. You're you are talking about those things, but you're also kind of, hey, what's going on? What, how's, how's your life? How's your marriage? How are your kids? Um, how can we be praying for you? How can we be, um, you know, are, who, who are you reaching out to? I mean, th- these kinds of pastoral conversations are not ones where you dig into the hypostatic union and, and different theories of the Trinity in conversation. It is conversations about real life and what's happening. And the pastoral side of it comes in, I think, when we look at people, like a, sh- a shepherd looks at sheep and says, how do I care for them? How do I corral them? How do I help them get to the next level? Yeah. So I think for me, some of the, some of the concern is if a, if a gospel community tries to do everything, then you all as gospel community leaders then feel like you have to be like a full seminary trained pastor or something, you know, to go from everything from hosting a gathering to um, delivering a message, to being able to counsel people in their deepest, darkest things, to um, hosting service projects and just all like, that's kind of a lot to put on you all. And I think what we're trying to say is a shepherd in these spaces is just almost like a, a mom or a dad with a family. You're sitting mm-hmm. together over a meal, and so much relational work is there. And it's not saying, because this isn't a Bible study, we're not doing important stuff. I think a mom and dad at a, at a meal are saying, I love these kids so much. You know, I love everyone at this table. Yep. Where are they getting stuck in their life? How can I nudge them onto the next thing? And then it's kind of relying on each other to say, 
oh, you know what? You know what Nathan needs? He needs to, he needs to grow a little bit in his understanding of, um, you know, the New Testament or the Holy Spirit or, um, you know, what the gospel itself is. That's good. How do I create a opportunity for him to learn and, um, and to grow in that? And so that will look like getting him involved with the men's group, or it might look like me pulling him aside and saying, Hey, I've got this, um, this study and we're going to have resources for you guys, um, to dig into, to handle these things. Um, but it's just a way of saying the discipleship matters a ton, but the, the core thing that makes the a gospel community, a gospel community is that, that life together communal yeah. aspect. And when you hear Mark saying like, be a pastor and be a disciple in this area or this discipleship method, don't be intimidated like at all. There are two words that in all these seminary books I had to read on discipleship that honestly, I feel like it could be summed up in these two words, relational and intentional. Love it. Just be intentional, love on the people around you, ask them questions about how their life is going. And guess what? People like to talk about themselves. So, so it's very easy to get to know what's going on in people's lives. If you have a meal with them, yeah. it'll just come out somehow. You just continue to be persistent. Like I said, small things grow into large things. And I don't mean that based upon numbers. I mean that relationally. Small conversations eventually lead to big conversations. So be patient with your time. Be a pastor. Be intentional. But be relational. That is really good. So what we'll do is we're going to leave it there for this episode. And uh, that gives you some stuff to chew on, to think about. Um, maybe, maybe you're thinking that's exactly what we've always done with gospel community. Maybe you're thinking, oh, boy, that's quite a bit different. Um, so all I want to say is don't worry. Nathan and I are literally here to help you guys process this. There, there is no higher priority that Nathan or I have than... Uh, making sure that these groups are healthy and that you guys as our leaders stepping in have the tools and the training and everything that you need. So some of that training looks like this, where we talk to you about what we envision and what we want to see. Um, but some of that is going to look like the conversations we have from here. So uh, you all are our leaders. You're also our friends. Like we love hanging out with you guys. We love talking mm. to you. So please call, text, um, email, let's get coffee, let's have meals, let's talk deeper. We honestly love helping you guys get unstuck on this. Uh, um, and so when you find a thing, man, we'll help you tweak it. If, if you're, if you were leading a gospel community and you're saying, you know what, I think, I mean, honest, what I actually have here is more of a discipleship group. That's beautiful. Let's not force your discipleship group to be something it's not. Um, but if you're saying, uh, Hey, whatever it is, we just want to help you guys process it. Nathan and I, the elders, we are here to help you guys, um, process this, find the help you need. Um, and that includes the big, scary counseling things that sometimes come up when you do ask questions like these. And it also comes with just the, the nuts and bolts of, you know, how do I throw a good party that people want to be at? Like that's all stuff that matters for this. Um, okay. So thank you guys for listening in. We're going to come back in a, in a next episode and talk a little bit more about what is your role as a gospel community leader? Kind of what's that job description look like? Um, what does it look like to lead a successful group? What are going to be some of the marks of that kind of a thing? And, um, and you know, kind of digging more into what does it look like for the, the pastors and the elders, the staff to help you guys succeed. In that.